Anybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. That's true. What we need to serve God is a heart that has been changed or motivated to love. There's a story in Chicken Soup of the Soul, the original book. There's a whole bunch of them. But uh, it, it's called A Simple Gesture. Uh, it was contributed by John uh, Slatter. tells a story of Mark walking home from school one day. Noticed a boy in front of him who tripped, stumbled, and dropped his books. In fact, he had a heavy load that day. He hurried up to the boy's side and helped him gather up all the things that he had dropped. Uh, it was especially a heavy load. It seemed a little unusual. He had a baseball glove, a couple of sweaters, uh, all kinds of books. He kept, helped him carry his load home and uh, then went in and, and spent the afternoon with him. Uh, they uh, you know, had a Coke. They, uh, uh, they talked about uh, various different things. Uh, Mark discovered that Bill is having trouble with his grades. He just broke up with his girlfriend. Uh, they built a friendship that day. They never became really close, close friends. Kept up with each other and talked all the way through junior high and high school. When they graduated, in fact, a, a few days before graduation, Bill uh, asked Mark a question. He said, remember that day when we were walking home from school and I dropped my stuff and you helped me pick it up? Mark said, yeah, I, I do. I didn't tell you then, Bill said. But I had decided to take my own life that evening. I'd been saving up, sneaking some sleeping pills uh, where, when I could so they wasn't noticed. And I had enough that I felt like it would kill me. So I'd kind of squared away. I'd got everything out from school. And I'd planned on killing myself that night. But you saved my life. You... Helped me carry those books, but more importantly, you became a friend. You saved my life. Now I want you, that is, I want you, to think for a moment how many times a small Seemingly insignificant gesture of concern, care, or love can reignite a flame within a heart, give hope for life, change a person's life. I'd suggest that much more often than we 
think. I would suggest that life needs hundreds, thousands, countless small acts of compassion that in reality can make tremendous differences in the lives of those who hurt. Mercy is shown in many different ways. It's not necessarily giving a person what they deserved, but instead what they really need. And so that's how you and I need to live our lives. Giving people what they need instead of what they deserve. So mercy sometimes forgives Mercy sometimes will show compassion, or sometimes it just as a small act of kindness, or it goes an extra mile trying to understand. So often people that are troubled say, no one really understands me. Maybe mercy is just trying again to understand. Mercy shows love. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. It's our goal over the next several weeks to go all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. We've been spending uh, the last couple of three weeks now on the, uh, the Beatitudes. I talked about the first two and, and the last two weeks, uh, KT talked about, uh, the next two. So today is number five. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. When Jesus taught 2,000 years ago, really, he he was turning the world upside down because the things that he he was saying went against common sense or, or the culture of that day. He talked about servant leaders rather than authoritarian leaders. He even said things like, The last shall be first, and the first shall be last, and that still seems to confuse us. The Beatitudes were paradoxical-type statements. The first one was, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. And no one wants to be poor, but what he was really talking about was that the one who recognizes his own poverty is the one who will receive God's richest of blessings. Blessed are the mourn, for they shall be comforted. He talked about the need to repent, the need to, uh, to come to the Lord in our brokenness, and f- He would comfort us. Third, blessed are the gentle, or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the fourth, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if we don't have hunger, We won't feed ourselves. We won't eat. If we're not spiritually hungry, hungry, then we will never feast on the Word of God. We'll not find the righteousness of God. We'll not find our God. In the kingdom, God fills us with a satisfaction that the world cannot. The fifth beatitude is not so illogical. It's makes sense to our, our thinking. Uh, 
blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's logical. It's common sense. If whatever you're giving is normally what you're going to receive in return. So if I'm giving mercy, then people are going to be merciful to me. If I'm giving judgment, then people are going to be judgmental to me. So what is mercy? Uh, Sometimes we try to differentiate it from grace by saying mercy is not getting the bad that we deserved, and grace is getting the good that we don't deserve. And, And that's true. Mercy is... Even though it has a feeling, it can't be separated from feeling, mercy is also more of an action. Compassion is the feeling behind mercy. And so because I feel compassion, I step out and I do something because of that compassion. I have mercy. Uh, So Mercy is compassion or patience that's shown to someone in some verifiable way, some objectable way, some some thing that we do. So it's an act of understanding because I have sympathy or compassion. It's an act of favor. Uh, It's an act of seeking to relief or relieve some type of uh, of difficulty because I have mercy or because of the compassion that I feel. Mercy can be compassion shown to victims of misfortune. That's one of the reasons why we're doing the Feed My Starving Children. We have a sense of compassion, and so from our compassion, we are having mercy on children in other parts of the world who are starving. So, Who is the person who will have mercy? Not everybody is merciful. I think we see that person described already in the Beatitudes. The person, uh, it's a logical progression. The arrogant person will seldom have mercy on someone else. Uh, Only when we mourn our own mistakes and we see how much mercy we need, will we be merciful to someone else? Uh, The meek and the gentle are willing to be patient with others. Instead of judgmental, the meek and the gentle will be merciful. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness recognize the sin that's in themselves. And so, recognizing their own frailty, their own shortcomings, they will have mercy on someone else. And so, who is it that will be merciful? Well, it's these people that Jesus has already described in the Beatitudes. They are ready to give mercy because they understand the need and they have the heart that's willing to give mercy. But oddly enough, and this is the message for us, have you ever noticed that a lot of times religious people are the last ones who are willing to give mercy? That was the condition of the Pharisees during the time of Jesus, uh, the ones with whom Jesus had so many confrontations. They could easily see the sins in everybody else, but they couldn't necessarily see their own sins. 
And so they were not merciful to the others around them. All they were willing to do was judge the failures of the others around them. That's a problem today still. We who are who seek God, we who seek to be spiritual, we who seek to have morality in our lives, we who are looking for personal piety, and that's a word we don't use very much, but it helps us to move in this direction, we develop a sense of harshness and rigidity about morality. And about the people around us. And so the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, this fifth beatitude, I think is one that really resonates, or should resonate with us. Because maybe even more than the first four, this is one we need. When we fail to see our own misery, our own failures, our own sin we tend to not tolerate the sin in those around us. Jesus frequently talked about this. There was the time that they were at the temple, and uh, he was observing the different ones who came in to pray. Remember the, the incident there? He pointed out the publican who would not so much lift his eyes to heaven, but bowed his head in prayer and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus compared him, contrasted him with the publican, who lifted up his hands and his eyes toward heaven and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like this publican. The Pharisees showed no feelings of compassion. Only disgust. Jesus said that the publican went home justified, but not the Pharisee. Matthew tells this story. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus passing on from there, he saw the man called Matthew sitting at a tax table. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. As Jesus reclined at table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when a Pharisee saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When he heard this, uh, heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go learn what this means. I desire mercy. And not sacrifice. For I came to call, or I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It's easy for a group who is more concerned with themselves and maintaining themselves than reaching out to a world that is yet to know Jesus, a world that's lost. It's easy for that group to develop a sense of self-centered righteousness. It becomes easy to look at those who are not with us 
with a sense of suspicion and contempt rather than compassion and mercy. I don't believe that's who we are. Yes, I believe that we are a people who seek to know the Lord, that seek to be righteous before Him, that seek to worship Him. But I don't believe that we look outside with suspicion and contempt. We must never excuse sin. Jesus didn't do that. Instead, we, like Jesus, need to always show compassion, not judgment. We must show mercy, especially if we expect to receive mercy from God. We must show kindness to those who are in need, so that then we can tell them of salvation in Jesus. We must show the love of God because that is how God shows His love to the world, through we who believe in Him. We must show forgiveness and mercy to those who need forgiveness and mercy. There are really two expressions of, mer- uh, of mercy that we need to remember. Uh, two ways that we, we show. First is giving aid to those who hurt or those who have experienced some misfortune. Uh, that's the meaning that Jesus had when he taught the parable of the Good Samaritan. We know the story that's found in Luke chapter 10. There was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a desolate road. Very little vegetation, but the hills roll, and there are lots of crevices and and caves. And it was a, a place where oftentimes those traveling by themselves could be attacked. So a man was doing that, and he was beaten up by robbers and left for dead. Likely would have died unless there was some type of aid given to him. A priest went by and gave no aid. A Levite went by and gave no aid. Probably worried about themselves. I need to hurry up or else the robbers might rob me. And left the man for dead. Perhaps he would have died, except a third came by, a Samaritan he's described as. And he had compassion and gave the man the help that he needed. There immediately attending to his wounds, then taking him on into Jericho where he was given the help that he needed. Jesus asked, after he told the story, which of the three do you think proved to be the neighbor of the man who fell into the robber's hands? Luke 10 verse 37 says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. The Samaritan's actions were not actions of forgiveness. But they were still actions of mercy. And so sometimes when we show mercy, it is giving the person what he may not necessarily deserve. Help. Assistance. A favor which likely cannot be returned. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's who we are. 
We're involved with Feed My Starving Children. Every month we send money to a disaster relief fund to assist those who may have experienced a hurricane or a tornado or a flood. We've had special contributions for that. We give help to those in need in our community. We are a people who show mercy to those who have need. But the second is forgiving those who do not necessarily deserve forgiveness. Jesus told another parable about mercy illustrating this point. Remember, mercy is seen in forgiveness that is not merited. If it were merited, it wouldn't be mercy. It would be earned merit, justice. But by definition, it's not deserved. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive? Seven times? I think Peter thought he was being generous. <laughs> Jesus said, no, but 70 times seven. 490 times? Well, I think what Jesus was saying, don't keep count. Just do it. He tells a story of a judge then, or a servant, who owed a huge debt and was not able to repay. Verse 24 of Matthew 18. When he began to settle, one who brought to him, uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not repay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children so that he had, uh, uh, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave his debt. We, of course, remember that that servant went out and found someone that owed him some money. And and maybe he was thinking like this, Oh, I've just gotten out of a great debt, but I need to collect all the money I can Because there might be something else that I owe and I need to be able to pay that. And so he found someone that owed him and he demanded that money. But that servant as well couldn't pay. And begged for forgiveness, but he was unwilling. When the king found out of the unmerciful servant's heart, then he required full payment. Verse 32 When his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should repay all his debt. So also your heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If we expect mercy from God... We must give mercy to those around us. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. There's one more point that I want to bring about about God's mercy. And that is that they are renewed every day. God's mercy never runs out. See, he doesn't keep track. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. 
But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God is ready and eager to forgive. Each day, He has new mercy, new grace. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday, because each day there is new mercy and new grace. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Certainly we need to ask God from a humbled heart. Certainly we need to ask God from a heart that grieves our sin. Meekly, unassumingly, hungry for righteousness, willing to repent. Still the promise is real. His mercy is renewed every day. Now great it is to know that our God bestows mercy on us today. And that mercy will be here tomorrow as well. How great it is to know that if I come to Him in repentance, day after day, time after time, He will forgive. It's by God's grace that we're forgiven. Not by our own merit. Again, if we earned it, then it wouldn't be, we wouldn't need mercy. We wouldn't need grace. But we don't deserve it. Yet God still gives it. Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We should have been condemned. We should have been abandoned to lie in the, the filth that we created. In the rebellion that we had instigated. But he didn't leave us there. Because he loves us. So by grace we are saved. Even though filled with guilt, we are made clean in Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, God is rich in mercy and overwhelming in grace and saves us from condemnation. We are saved in Christ. That's a question that we ask ourselves. Are we here now at this time weighted down by sin and guilt? Like the indebted servant in the parable that Jesus told, we can find grace, mercy, forgiveness in Jesus. We want to pray with you. Pray that you might find that 
forgiveness in Christ. If you're having trouble forgiving someone else, holding a grudge still because of something that someone has done to you, hear the truth of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If we cannot forgive, we cannot be forgiven. Turn loose of hatred. Turn loose of anger. Turn loose of the grudges. Forgive. Give mercy. And receive mercy. If we can help you do that, if we can pray with you that the Spirit of God might enter you, that He might give you a sense of peace and comfort and release anger and guilt and and those things that trouble your heart, we want to pray with you today. Are you here this morning and still having trouble finding the Lord's forgiveness? I think that might be the case for some of us. If you've not publicly confessed your faith that Jesus is the Christ, your faith is still lacking. You need to move in that faith. Move beyond where you are today. If you've not repented of your sins, made that decision to stop living for self, but instead live for God, we want to pray with you today and help you move beyond that because your faith still is lacking what it needs. If you've not been immersed in Christ uh, as a penitent believer, then your obedience to Christ is still lacking. Be immersed, be baptized into Christ today for the remission of your sins, to be part of His body, to be, to be made new in Christ. When Ananias was talking to Saul, Ananias looked at him and said, and now why are you waiting, or what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What keeps you from obeying Jesus? Uh, let's be standing. With the question, what keeps you from obeying Jesus, you might have mentally started making a list. Well, it's this and it's that. Let the Lord remove that list of things that separate you from Him. Be part of Christ. 